1: You found financial food for Thought. You've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell on a kind of a wintry, blustery weekend, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. So why? So a lot of people are singing this song this week after we got the big news, right, from Donald Trump.
0: I am asking for your support and I am asking for your friendship and your prayers, this very incredible but dangerous journey. If our movement remains united and confident, that we will shatter the forces of tyranny and we will unleash the glory... He was on of fire at Mar-a-Lago. But he, had, he, he
1: was very presidential now. this time, right? He wasn't going America's too
0: golden age crazy. Is just ahead. Mm-hmm. That's good. And together, we will make America powerful again. Wow. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again.
1: Building up for the crescendo finish.
0: We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. We will make America glorious again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much. God bless you all. Thank you.
1: So there it is. It's, it's, it's the Magaga now, Carrie. It's not it's not MAGA anymore. It's uh, it's not Lady Gaga. It's right. Magaga. It's Make America Glorious and Great Again. Okay. So it now it's Magaga. So it's going to be interesting. You know, a lot of, I think there is some people who think maybe it's not the best move for the Republican right. Party. Right. I think a lot of people do, though. I mean, Trump, I think it's his election to win. I I mean, and I think it's still a long, long way from 2024. But... He got in early,
2: and I think if he's being presidential, I think that may help. Like because I right. think sometimes I look at what he did for the country when he was in, because sometimes the wording, which I don't care if someone's gruff or whatever, it's right. what they do. Personally, I could care less about your words as much as your. I prefer my actions,
1: right. and um, I think fifty percent of the country is right there. Right. It's just unfortunately, fifty percent of the country is exact opposite.
2: Right. I think we just need to. Stop regardless of just stop being so de- divisive and everybody on different so extremes and people coming together and making progress. It's going to benefit everybody.
1: So Trump is in and I think the odds are the, the more Republican competitors he has carry mm-hmm. it for the primary, the better it is for Trump.
2: I, th- I remember when he first ran, everybody was like, oh, that's so ridiculous. Remember? There's no way this guy's going right. to go anywhere.
1: Wait, 16 or whatever? And they started dropping off? Trump. Yeah. But, you know, because the way those, remember that, the way those national conventions, you know how they count up the delegates and there's, uh, you, you know, and it's, you have to win a certain amount of delegates. And so it's just the odds that, you know, if it's just Trump against one other person, then there's a, the, the, it's a split, Right. But, mm-hmm. but if it's President Trump and five or six other people running, they'll split the other votes, right?
2: Right, that's what's...
1: And, and so that will lead, a lot of pundits believe that's, you know, so Trump is actually he the worst, you know, he, he's, he's probably, I, I think he knows he's not going to be run uncontested, right? Right. So I think he says, hey, the more the merrier. Be- right. Because the more Republican candidates get in probably the better chance he has of winning the delegates right. at the convention. Um, so anyways, so th- th- we'll see. It's still, I say, a long, long way from 2024.
2: Oh, we're not even into 2023. <laughs> get ready,
1: here. Get us going.
2: All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on 1420 here to give you helpful information and, and make you aware of issues and financial news that can impact your financial life, whether you're single, married, working, or retired, have kids, no kids. Um, we try to make people aware of opportunities and potential problems and realize that you can take control of areas of your financial life when you're certainly in a world where many things <laughs> that are impacting your financial life, like inflation and market volatility and taxes, can impact you we've been doing the show a number of years and we're sponsored by the estate planning team which is an affordable fee based Ohio-registered fiduciary planner, and we've been around now more than 35 years, helping people design custom financial plans through objective, unbiased advice. When you're faced with a financial decision, we can do enough number crunching so you're comfortable with a decision and know how decisions affect the longevity or the long-term outcome instead of making knee-jerk or emotional quick decisions that sometimes shoot yourself in the foot. And um, we are accredited and A-rated members of the Better Business Bureau. You can check out our reviews at Angie's List on Google and the Better Business Bureau. We do offer a free consultation if you're someone who wants to learn about our process, how we're different. We are not investment advisors. We have a many of our clients do the investments on their own, or they work with an outside advisor. We're fine with people working without advi- advisors or already having that. That's not what we do. What we do is very different and. For the free consultation, if you'd like, we can talk general questions that you have or concerns, or if you provide us with some information at no charges, part of the consultation will actually run some preliminary analysis, which will allow us to say, these are potential problems, these are opportunities, this is how we can help you because we only recommend our services if you're someone who can actually benefit we have both comprehensive retainer fees and hourly options for people who need a little bit of help and if you'd like to schedule and we're scheduling between now and the end of the year and we've opened up first few months in 2023 I actually have a couple of people on the calendar um want to wait till after the holidays but you can give us a call at 440 239 2090 that's 440 239 2090, or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. And I'm sure everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I can't believe it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always remind people you know, Thanksgiving is the time where you usually get your notification in the mail about what your new Social Security benefit mm-hmm. is, right? and or what your new medicare premiums would be so you want to keep your eyes open for that and those uh, even though they're not coming at the normal uh, you know when you get your tax information mm-hmm. in march and you know february march and april we always recommend that you keep that statement from social security in with your tax records because as planners, we, we refer to that a lot. One, you want to look at that statement and make sure you agree with it. Not only, I mean, everybody is going to get the 8.7% increase, so you want to make sure you, that's reflected and that right. will be reflected. But it also, if you are paying Medicare D and, and or Medicare B and or Medicare D premiums, and you're getting a IRMA adjustment, you want to you know see what that is, right? Right, and that's the income-related monthly adjustment amount. And because if you might have a right to appeal that, mm-hmm. based on if you had certain life-changing events, and the most common one, Carrie, is you know because of the two-year gap, you know they'll they'll use you know for your 2023 Medicare premiums, they'll use your 2021 tax return, right? And a lot of that two year gap, you can appeal. For example, a life changing event, very common one, is if you were working in 2021. So your income was relatively high due mm-hmm. to wages. And in 2023, you're not working, you're retired. Right. And that's a common appeal. And you'll get that, but you still have to appeal in the timely manner you know and that's what this benefit statement will tell you how many days you have to do that and what forms to go to to do that etc so keep an eye open for that all right today care i'm going to also talk a little bit about year end planning and today I'm going to focus on capital gains and losses, you know, and which mm-hmm. is always a year-end planning uh, exercise where you may, you know, taxpayers look to say, okay, should I be locking in capital gains? Certainly, we knew in 2021 there were a lot of capital gains that were locked in, right. right? You know, and and especially if you were using a professional investment advisor, or and if you were just buying your own mutual funds, you saw how much capital gains, how much realized capital gains you had on 2021. Now this year, 20. 2022, we think it's going to be a little reversal than that, right? And there's a lot of losses this year, right? Not only in stocks, in Mm -hmm. bonds, in crypto, in gold, you know, everything is, is losses. So could there be a lot of what we call tax loss harvesting this year where you're you're you, you may have a loss on paper but you but you want to realize that loss so you can deduct it on your tax return. That's another tax efficient way of getting cash flow, right? If your cash reserve is falling a bit shy of where you want it to be, which again, now yes you are you are now realizing that loss or locking that loss in, but at least you might be able to deduct that or use that to offset other gains and and uh, you know or you know create a, if you are looking for cash flow that you had to sell anyways right you sell some winners you sell some losers so you net out a very low tax capital gain loss right. but you still get the cash flow that you are looking for um, but before that, we did get uh, more favorable inflation data carry, right? And so last week, and you can always go back and listen to our podcast, uh, we did the CPI, right? And, and we saw how favorable this, the, the consumer price index came in for the month of October. And, and this week, we got the producer price index, not looked on as, as much as CPI, you know obviously, but this is where you know how much manufacturers uh, you know get for their products carry right it's um and and so it's an indi- it's another indication well if the manufacturers are you know are are if they're you know if they're paying higher and higher prices you know that's also eventually drips down or you know trickles down to the end consumer right so so it's a measure of prices received for the final demand products and again, it, 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 it mirrors what happened with the CPI, meaning that it beat all around, Carrie. Not okay. only, you know, when, whether you look at headline or core, and whether you look at annual year over year or current month over month. So it, 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 it and also it beat what the, what the economists were expecting. So not only did it come in better than the previous data, it also beat what the economists were expecting. That's a beat all around. right? right. And, and that's what the Federal Reserve is looking for. They're looking for data that says, okay, we have definitely peaked out on inflation. Now It still may be a jagged peak, but at least have we peaked out. And the you know, in other words, the federal's uh, the federal reserve's medicine is working, and and the pain though is still there, and then the medicine is not completed yet. But just as an example, so we look at producer price index. Look, Carrie, let's look at our you know a, you know actual head, headline um, year over year, and just the, the trend. So going back to March of this year, okay, it was eleven point six percent. Then it was eleven percent. Then it was 10.8%. Then it peaked back up to 11.3% in June. And that's what we're saying. June might have been the peak. Then in July, it was back down to 9.8%. In August, it was 8.7%. In September, it was 8.5%. And actually, that was revised to 8.4%. And here in October, it was 8%. Okay. So there you go. There you see that trend, all right? Now, if you want to look at uh, core, which excludes food and energy, year-over-year year came in at 6.7%, which was much lower than the previous month's year-over-year, year, uh, revised downward to 7.1%. Um, and, and by the way, the, the economists were looking for 7.2%. Uh, And if you even if you look at the monthly data, which a lot of people say, let's let's not worry about the 12 months rolling. Let's look at the most what's happening most recently in the last 30 days. So a lot of people, including politicians, as well as the Federal Reserve, says we're more concerned about what's happening more more recently. You know, and that's the month over month. Right. So back to headline. Okay, so month over month came in at point two zero which was better than the previous month, 0.40, okay? And if you want to look at core, core came in flat,
2: Hmm.
1: not not up at all, whereas the previous month it was up 0.30. So there you go. So now we've got data points, PPI this week, CPI last week, both coming in, beating all around. That's that indication, but we also – Got retail sales. And this is what a lot of people are still scratching their heads on, Gary. In other words, but I, I, does it indicate again the wealth gap that we have in this country? Because with all the complaining about inflation, and nobody likes paying higher prices, but the fact of the matter is, are Americans still spending? Now, the, the tricky part about this as well is the The increase in the retail sales numbers that we got, it was up 1.3 percent. The experts were projecting a 1 percent, so it obviously it it, it came in higher than that. Now, is that a reflection of just higher inflation, or is that a reflection that consumers are out, you know, you know, purchasing their Black Friday sales? Um, I don't know, but when you look across the sectors, everything was up basically. Um, cars, autos were up. Gas stations were up 0.9%. Uh, the retail control group was up 0.7%. I mean, the forecast was only 0.3%. Um, also better than the previous months, which was 0.6%. Uh, non-store spending, that's like the Amazon right. and, and the, and the online up 1.2%. Um, restaurants and bars, you know, up 1.6%. Grocery stores up one point four percent. See, you know, so because what what you would think is that right. with that that the pain would be setting in and consumers would be not spending, you know, and, and trying to preserve their going out to eat, right, and spending less at grocery stores. But so so that's the conflicting data, and that's why again will we'll be you know this this volatility in the markets and the federal reserve pivoting or not pivoting i think it, there's still more data to be had but i think you're going to see this continue this type of what we're seeing in the markets at least for uh, the next 3 6 12 months right so uh, how do you protect yourself well we always talk about that you know got to make sure you've got an adequate cash reserve rebalance your portfolio you know don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay carrie you've been mentioning on the fixed side of your allocation right you know obviously 60 40 didn't do very well this year um but you know, the fixed side, We it's been a long time since we've seen rates in the three to four year, right. you know, the three, four, five, six percent. So, you know, whether you're looking at CDs or multi-year guarantee annuities um, or, you know, you know, you can look and see what the local banks are offering. But so, so yeah, there are options again, you want to be active. And of course, the third thing is, if you are concerned that this economic downturn, is materially going to affect the longevity of your financial plan, then what you might want to do is run what we call a plan R. You know, you have your base case plan running, and maybe that's running fine. It's showing you that you have enough money to support your retirement years to whatever age you you wanted it to, or you told mm-hmm. the to, you ran it to. Is that 90? Is that 95? Do I hear 100? But also now, as a Plan R, you're saying, "Well, would that plan still work if we have a worse, a worse economic outcome than what I projected? And that could be meaning higher inflation for the next few years, yet than what you were using in your Plan A, or it could mean a, a larger market loss. You know, if you, you know, did you bake in the next recession that typically, you know, carries with it a stock market loss, right? And did you bake that in, or did you not bake that in, or maybe you baked one in, but it wasn't as bad as now you think it could be? Um, So those are things that you can do, um, you know, in in terms of that. The other thing that we talk a lot about this time of year in in year in planning is, and and we talk about all, all year long, obviously, is, you know, Roth conversions, right? So... And, and why do you hear so much talk about Roth conversions and reading about it, you know, articles, internet, planners, you know, why is there so much talk about doing Roth conversions?
2: Or you hear I shouldn't do a Roth or I should or someone told me not to do it or I they think it's an all or nothing or people get confused between Roth contributions. I can't do a Roth conversion because I'm still working or I'm retired. Well, no, that's a contribution and I think people just kind of lump in Roths all in one category and their conversions are different than uh, contributions and there's opportunity with those conversions that many people are missing out on.
1: Right. So let's, so, and that's what I want to kind of zero in on, Carrie, is the why people are doing them. Right. Um, and whereas, and I think, now we've been talking on this radio show about Roth conversions since they came into existence in 1998, and but it doesn't mean that everybody should go out and do one. But why are people going and doing it? Well, one of the reasons is that they're taking advantage of the lower income tax rates that are on the books right now. You know, remember Trump's tax package of 2017 lowered the individual income tax rates. Well, that lowering, that sunsets at the end of 2025. And then if Congress doesn't extend or make those lower individual tax rates permanent, we revert back to the higher tax brackets, right? And I don't think right now the Republicans will have enough votes to put enough pressure on President Biden to try to extend those or make them permanent. Now, that leads us then again up to the 2024 POTUS election and see who's running the White House after that. So people are saying, while I have these lower rates through 2025, I'm going to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. because my rates may be going up higher after that. So I've got this window period that I'm going to be, you know, I know when I do a Roth conversion, it creates a taxable event, but at least I'm using the lower tax brackets while I have them. A second reason is you're building up a tax-free bucket that you can use in the future. And, and that's especially important if you believe that income tax rates are going up in the future, not only that in 2026, if we revert to the right. old higher rates, but also if you think that it, income tax rates will have to go up when this country gets serious about paying off the deficit. Right. Right. Now, the tax
2: rates are going to go up anyway if they do nothing after 2025. Yeah.
1: Unless they have enough vote, unless the Republicans have enough votes to extend them or make them permanent. And and that probably means sixty votes in the Senate. That's always the tough hurdle, because um, I don't think the Republicans are looking to get rid of the filibuster. Um, anyways, uh, so so building up a tax free bucket. So that's where you're saying, all right, I'm I'm gonna you know utilize these lower brackets while I can. I'm gonna shift some shift some money, and now it's gonna be growing, building tax free in the Roth IRA. So. In future years, if I have a very expensive cash flow year and I don't want to create any more taxable income by raising the additional cash flow. Carrie, I know you always give the right. example of the, of the client who has buying a new car. Right. And they don't realize, yeah, they just they say, oh, I'm just going to take the money out of the IRA. Well, do you calculate? you we cal- had someone like,
2: come in after the fact and already yeah, did that.
1: Do you realize how much taxes that's going to cost? And you know, did you gross up the IRA distribution for the amount of taxes and you I'm, should have had? Without? I'm thinking
2: about we've had a few people over there, but somebody came in after the fact the year before and we're looking at their tax return and they didn't realize that they had a big, they actually owed a lot on April 15th because they didn't account for that.
1: Right. Um, so, if you have the Roth IRA in those years, you can just dip into the Roth IRA, and it doesn't to get your cash flow, and it doesn't create any taxes. It doesn't go into any of those tax thresholds that we talk about on the radio show. A third reason is theoretically, if you're doing Roth conversions now, let's say assuming that you are not at RMD level yet, which is now age seventy-two. Could go higher, we may have Secure Act two. it may have it this year yet. Um, I have to talk more about that carrying up okay. the shows but but the the so, so that theoretically, if you do a Roth conversion now, you're lowering your future required minimum distributions mm-hmm. because if it's your Roth IRA, there is no required minimum distribution right now, if you have a Roth 401k there is. All right, so a lot more clients carry we're seeing have Roth four oh one K options. Right. That when you retire and if you leave the money in the Roth four oh one K you will have a required minimum. That's why many taxpayers when they leave the company they roll their Roth four oh one K to their Roth IRA so they don't have that required minimum, minimum right. distribution. Um, but that could be a big saver too. That's a long-term savings. If you can, if you can reduce what we call the RMD trap, right? If you have a large IRA and, you know, if you haven't run what the future requirements, not just what they are when they begin at 72, but what are they at, at the peak? Age eighty, eighty, eighty-five, ninety. You know, if anyone has shown you that, if no one's shown you that, come in for a free consultation. And, and the best part about that is, we'll use your numbers.
2: Right, and that's a lot of money in some cases where I should have, would have, could have spent, or that's going to cause my capital gains rates to go up. I'm getting pushed through another tax bracket. And I know you did some case studies, but on the show in the last couple of months, and talked about it at our IRA and Roth class. In a lot of cases that minimum required distribution can cause the Medicare B premiums and getting hit with that Irma adjustment. So there's a lot of whammies that people don't realize if you just let things, you know, default to the government's plan, it doesn't benefit you or your family in most cases.
1: Yeah, we we always at the class I always mention the the the, the idea that If you ask any professional advisor, whether it's your investment advisor, your tax preparer, your financial planner, your attorney, your life insurance agent, and say, okay, who may be doing annuities in the IRAs, and you say, say, should I be looking at a Roth conversion? And they get a quick answer back that says, no, just file the required minimum distributions. That's your best plan. I want you to have a follow-up question. And the follow-up question is, okay, Mr. Advisor, if I follow that recommendation, can you tell me what my RMD will be when I'm 90 years old? And can you tell me what the balance of my IRA will be when I'm 90 years old? And if they can't give you a number, I'm not so sure you're ready to take that recommendation. Come in for a free consultation and and we can show you that um, using your numbers and what rate of return you want to assume on Mm -hmm. your IRAs. All right. Um, a fourth reason, and this is some people care about this, Carrie, and guess what? Some people don't. Mm-hmm. So this is where don't ask your neighbor. This is where you have to kind of figure this out for yourselves. But that's if you're trying to reduce. If you're if you're in a position where you're saying, Mark, I don't think we're ever going to spend all our IRAs in our lifetime. We're not big spenders. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have extravagant lifestyles.
2: We don't need it for cash flow purposes.
1: You know, more than what the RMD right. is going to generate us. So you're saying then that you're going to end up leaving an IRA to your kids, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever, airs. Right. Well, I'm using your children, all right? Well, they don't get it tax-free, okay? No. Now, and under the SECURE Act, one, they have 10 years to get it out.
2: And in many cases, they're at their peak earning, the beneficiaries are at their peak earning years, and that's hitting their tax return as ordinary income.
1: Right. And so, so that's what we call that income in respect of a decedent or IRD, meaning if you, a non spouse beneficiary, has to pay the income taxes on tax deferred assets that they inherit. So, so if you're trying to reduce that risk, then your Roth conversions while you're still living will reduce that risk. Mm-hmm. Now, you may, now you, now you're leaving that. Beneficiary a Roth IRA, they still have to get that out within mm-hmm. ten years, but at least it'll be tax free. All right, um, but why Roth conversions now? So those are standard, you know, right. reasons. But why is there so much talk about Roth conversions now this year? Well, I have a feeling that relates back to the market losses this mm-hmm. year because now there's a lot of taxpayers out there they're trying to make some lemonade out of the lemons and let's say they saw that their stock holdings in their IRAs are down in value could be 15 20% and they're not panicking they believe the market will come back they believe in those positions they are, though, but they're they're making a movement. They're saying while the value is down, because when you do a Roth conversion, you're taxed on the value of the shares you're converting the day you do it. So if you own ABC stock and it's down 20%, And you say, okay, that is going, I'm going to transfer. And now, whether it's a one-step or two-step conversion, the idea is you're just going to move and you're going to buy the equivalent amount of shares now in your Roth IRA through a Roth IRA conversion. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're just converting ABC shares in your IRA and you're going to wind up holding the same ABC number of shares in your Roth IRA. But you actually get a tax discount in that event. Because it, let's say the value is 20% lower, right? So now, and, and so now you believe that eventually ABC stock will come back up. Maybe it'll be within one year, maybe five years, mm-hmm. maybe 10 years, whatever. But at least all the regrowth comes back tax free in your Roth IRA, not just tax deferred in your IRA. So you're getting that, now you're starting to get that regrowth tax compounding tax-free. So that's another reason why many people are looking at Roth conversions now in years where they've seen their market positions lose value.
2: And that's a huge opportunity. So if you want to take advantage of a free no obligation, no pressure consultation. You can give us a call. We're happy to do those by phone or in person. We're scheduling now through the end of February, 2023. So even if you don't want to procrastinate and go ahead and get on the 2023 schedule, if you call today, leave a message and we'll get back to you on Monday. Or if you send an email through the website, I will get that um, and respond. If you don't get a response, I didn't send it. Um, you'll have a response by Monday. Um, my number, our, our, our number, not my number. Our number is four four zero two three nine. 2090. That's financialfoodforthought.com is the website. Or call the estate planning team at 440- 239- 2090. Or again, visit financialfoodforthought.com. The website has a link to our podcast. There's incentives. If you actually come in and schedule by a certain time on hourly and the comprehensive fees, you can sign up for our newsletters and there's other helpful information there as well.
1: All right, great. Now you've got, um, you've got a case... Yeah, I have a couple. But, you know. Okay, so just before that, you—I'll let you do that one just real quick. We're also looking. You know, the, the, we said we'd be watching the the third quarter earnings, right, of companies, and, and it's back, pack, pack, back. I already talked about that. How that retail sales report came in very positive, surprised a, a lot of people that Americans are spending as much money as they are still spending. So how we got some data from the big. Retail spots and mm-hmm. and a kind of yeah they're they're also showing that they're hanging in there. Walmart okay. Um, Walmart. Would you you
2: see Walmart parking lots all the time. <laughs> like
1: yeah. Earnings per share came in a dollar fifty, beating the estimate of a dollar uh, Revenues came in beating one hundred fifty two point eight billion, beating one hundred forty seven billion. Their shares are up seven percent. Now that's when a lot of people saying is that good news or bad news. In other words, is Walmart doing well because Somebody who would not normally be shopping at Walmart, they'd be shopping at a higher scale,
2: right? That store, could be.
1: Are now shopping at the you know at a lower discount store. That a lot of people think that's good, but how about Macy's? Macy's beat across you know their shares. Now that
2: I'm surprised,
1: right? Because their shares are up twelve percent, um, and. And because Macy's, you know, that's so, a pricey. Yeah, so is that? So what does that show? Does that show that the wealth gap that the wealthy aren't leaving Macy's? I guess to maybe go you look to, at
2: the really high end. Maybe everybody's trickling yeah. down. So
1: what's one in the middle? Maybe Kohl's. Okay. okay, so Kohl's didn't come in as hot as Walmart or Macy's.
2: That's because their prices have gone up. Like to Macy's, well, like I don't think they are as cheap as they once were. Yeah.
1: So is it the Kohl's shopper that are now shopping at Walmart? I, yeah, for clothing and things like that I don't know. Now, um, you know, but one that really got hit hard, mm-hmm. Target. Yeah. Okay, you know, Target missed earnings. Mhm. You know, they came in at $1.54 as what the street was looking for $2.13 and revenues just barely met what mm-hmm. they, you know, expected. Their stock was down 13%. Okay? And they warned that they they are looking at soft holiday Right, and I don't know what Target. I still go to Target.
2: I don't very often. I go to Walmart more. No, but, Marks, all well, these. <laughs> I'm a
1: discount. Well, I do those too. But but I, I mean, I, I walked into my Target. They're like completely rearranging it for what reason? Somebody explained to me why would they have to rearrange your whole store? Anyways, So so we're getting so we're, we're again a lot of mixed signals. Um, but so far, you know, retail sales, pe- the American consumer spending is still holding in there.
2: All right. Well, talking about case studies, because we talked about opportunities and year end planning. And we always look, um, I think you talked about it was last week or the week before you were, t- we were talking about, you know, if somebody doesn't owe taxes and they've done their RMD, that's great. And they're happy and their tax repair is fine. But we always take it one step further. And we have a client, we've been doing this. She's now in her mid 80s. So we've been doing it a number of years and we've done it with clients. but. This year, another time, she's standard deduction with the higher deduction. Um, she needed about $4,000 of extra income for holiday spending. And then she wanted to build up her cash reserve um, for the first of the year. And we were doing calculations of how much more room did she have on her tax return. And we were able to tell her she could take another 10000 out of her IRA and not pay a dime in taxes. Now, she only needed four. But then she said, "Well, that's I mean, and then the it no brainer, and it beefed up her checking and savings.
1: And now she has that option, Carrie. Right. She 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 could take out the four she needs, mm-hmm. that still leaves six to go. So she could build up her cash reserve even right. more, or she could convert that over to rather because she already has her RMD. Which you right. have to mention, if you are at RMD age, right. you've got to get your RMD satisfied first in the, right. in the year before you can execute the Roth conversion. Correct. That's an important step. But she, like you said, she had already done that.
2: Right. So she has options. She can right. put it or convert it. Right.
1: Right. She can build up her cash reserve, or she could just put in a Roth IRA.
2: But over the years, we've been able to get over $100,000 out of her IRA and not pay a dime in taxes.
1: So essentially, we're almost... Tr- you know, almost cr- making her IRA a Roth IRA. Correct. Now, whether that can continue, we've had right. some clients over the decades where we've been able to get all their IRA out tax-free. Right. And that's very rare, though. Right. That's very rare.
2: But she was looking for opportunities where she could. Some years she itemized. So, and we're doing that for people. If you have losses, that might make more wiggle room on your tax return. And then I was thinking another case this year: um, mother-daughter. The mom's in a nursing home, been for a year the daughters the POA working with us and we already did the RMD earlier this year and they're okay with cash flow but because we know the nursing home expenses have been over and the medical have been over 100,000 this year working with the CPA they said let's figure out how much more because obviously mom's probably not coming home and going to continue how much more can mom take from the IRA And use up because she has so much medical on the itemized side and not pay any more in taxes. And it ended up being $25,000 they could take out. Well, certainly with the cost of a nursing home, that's going to be beef up their checking and savings. Right. And it didn't even occur to them. We were just doing the year-end checklist. Did you get your RMDs? Or we were looking and coordinating with the CPA and the um, on the previous year safe harbor to make sure there were enough taxes paid in. And in this case, it was. Oh, by the way, let's start adding up the itemized deductions in the medical because now you've been in a nursing home a year. That's an opportunity to get money out tax-free because if if mom passed away and that money was in an IRA and the daughter's still working, she would have a hefty tax bill on those IRA dollars.
1: Right. And and that's being very active planners. And that's what we are at the estate planning team. We're always looking to say, okay, can we do, can we do better? Can, can we look at, and sometimes you do have to get into the weeds of, the, mm-hmm. of a very complicated tax code. But that's where you rely on your CPA. See, a lot, a lot of times, you know, the client says, Mark, I don't even know what questions I need to be asking my CPA. Well, we do. And, and that's a coordination of advisors.
2: And sometimes we have clients that really, I'm thinking of another one, that really doesn't want to be into the weeds of the detail. They want We have a few of them. One bottom line is saying, if I take this, this is the result. If I take this much, this is a result. And they have given permission for us to communicate with the tax preparer, and then we give them the bottom line. And that's okay, too. But these opportunities can be huge, and the dollar saving, both during your lifetime and to your heirs, and when you're looking at inflation and cost and potential taxes, every Tax year, you should be looking. And I think that's the value of what we do is say, what, whether you're working or you're in retirement, what strategies should you be using? What steps you should take? You know, it's all about getting the most net benefit and most dollars in your own pocket cumulatively and each year, again, stands alone. So we look at all the detail of all your assets and opportunities. And that's a great reason to call the estate planning team for a free consultation. And we'll do that by phone or in person. And we'll do preliminary analysis just for you taking the time to schedule. We don't believe in pressure. We show you This is how we think we can help you. This is what it's going to cost, whether it's an hourly or comprehensive. And then you decide. We want people to want to work with us because we've developed relationships over years with our clients. And you can call 440-239-2090 or visit FinancialFoodForThought.com. All
1: right. So you mentioned losses. And so this is also the time of the year where we have a lot of discussion with our clients who are trying to get a handle on what's happening to their capital gains and or losses, right? And the tax planning around that, and we already mentioned earlier in the show that that's one way, the very tax-efficient way of generating Cash flow during retirement or building up the cash reserve is that you, you know, you sell non qualified. We call those investments that you don't, that you own outside of IRAs or qualified plans, non qualified investments, right? Some people refer to them as their brokerage accounts. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get the long term capital gain loss treatment. And that's an efficient way to raise money. You, 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 you sell some positions, may generate a capital gain. You also sell some other positions that may generate a capital loss, and the loss offsets the gain, so you get the cash flow proceeds that you're looking for. But from a tax standpoint, you're coming out flat. It's not really hurting you. On uh, it's not causing your taxes to go up. Other years, you know, people are just more active. So, that, so we're thinking this year there's a lot of people out there thinking about should I be harvesting some losses because everything I own is down. Right. My stocks are down, my bonds are down, my crypto's down, my bond or my gold is down, um, everything's down. So should I be looking at harvesting losses? So it, it gets into a lot of things that we talk to our clients of the estate planning team, but one of them carries is just how do the long-term capital gain rates work, right? And because we don't think there's enough people maybe taking advantage. Of the long-term capital gain rate, right? And mm-hmm. so, the, the right now, a lot of people just re-know that there's the that the, the, it's a fifteen percent long-term capital gain, and and not only long-term capital gain carry qualified dividend. Okay. So remember that your qualified dividends are taxed at the same long-term capital gains rate. But we don't think still, we've been talking about this for decades, that enough people are taking advantage of the 0% long-term capital gain rate, right? Mm-hmm. So you are mentioning it's a no-brainer if, if you can take money out of an IRA in retirement tax-free because you haven't maxed out your zero tax bracket, why not do it? Well, I have the same idea here. right? If you're still in a zero long-term capital gain rates, how much more taxable income could you generate and still be at zero?
2: That right. might be a threshold you want to look at.
1: Okay. And so those numbers for 2022, so if you're single, that's taxable income up to $41,675. Okay. okay. Married filing jointly, that's 83350 Okay. Now remember that's taxable income. That's not AGI. So you get to add your if you're itemizing deductions or if you're just taking the higher standard deduction. So for example, back to the single person, for 2022, long-term capital gain and qualified dividend rate, you know, maxes out about 41,675. If, you know, if you add the, uh, you know, the, the 14 let let's say they're over 65, carry, So their standard, the single person standard deduction this year is 14,700. You add that to the 41,675. That gives them an AGI bogey of about 56,375. Okay. It, by the way, next year because of the inflation, inflation, that number is 60,325.
2: Okay, a little more wiggle room.
1: Okay. And is that how how far is that covering the single person's spending in retirement, right? Now, Mary filing jointly this year, let's say both husband and wife are above 65, right? So their standard deduction this year is 28,700. So that plus the eighty three thousand three hundred fifty threshold, that's one hundred and twelve thousand and fifty dollars. <laughs> Next year, that's going to be closer to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So is that? That's so, a big jump. So so for Mary, so that's what I'm saying. So if you can plan, and this is why you have to be active planners. This is what we help our clients with. We start planning that out and say, yeah, how much you know now. Now. How do you, you know, there's some other rules, of course, you know, you can, you need to talk about, but back to the idea of harvesting losses, right? So to get that long-term capital gain uh, well, or to be able to deduct the long-term capital loss, um, you need, you know, you talk about the holding period. So you got, got to hold the assets greater than one year. And when you're figuring that, by the way, Carrie, you, the day you bought the property doesn't count, but the day you sell it does. Okay. Um, and then you also have to nest the capital gains with the losses. Um, so you have to nest the short term and long term accordingly. So. So first, losses on investments are are first used to offset any capital gains of the same type. So short-term losses are first deducted against short-term gains. And then long-term losses are first deducted against long-term gains. This all happens on your Schedule D. So again, if you're using tax software or using a professional, they're doing all this for you. All right. Um, But then if you've wiped out all the gains and you still have losses, you can then use those losses to offset up to $3,000 of ordinary income. Okay. All right. That's why many of you, a lot of times you see that your capital loss on that line is- The 3,000. 3,000, right? And then if you have losses beyond that, they're carryover. You get to use those losses in future years, right? So you don't, you know, until your wow. death, all right? So some of you ask that question too, Mark. What happens to my capital loss carry over when I die? And it's a good question because you don't get to pass those on.
2: I was going to say, it, go, it
1: dies too. Well, it's it certainly, well, there, there's a couple of cases. One, if you're the surviving spouse and, you're, you know, and you're passing them on, you the next benefit is their beneficiary. Right. Heirs, they don't get any of the losses. They die with you. But let's say you're married filing jointly and you have joint losses. You held the assets in a joint
2: Then they go to account. your
1: spouse. Only half goes to your spouse.
2: Oh, because you have ownership.
1: The, the, the half ownership. The, the half, again, uh, is lost to the decedent. Oh, okay. All right. Um, that's kind of getting into the weeds, Carrie, isn't it? But um, but then let's really get into it. But what about the, you got to be worried about the wash sale rules. Okay. Right? In other words, can you deduct the losses or when you can't deduct the losses? Okay, so you cannot deduct the loss. There's a, there's, a, you know, the law, you know, prohibits selling a security for a loss and replacing it within the same or substantially identical security Thirty days before or thirty days after the sale.
2: So there's a sixty day window,
1: right? And that's yeah, and and that's a, one good way to remember. It. If you want to stay away from the wash sale rules, you know, wait, you know, the sixty first day, right? Um, so yeah, now, but there's been some gray area about well, what is substantially identical?
2: Right. I was gonna say I think the wording is vague.
1: Right, and there's also the word security. Okay. Right. So this is what's leading to problems, because if you hadn't heard, Carrie, there's been a little problem with cryptocurrencies this year.
2: Mm, I've heard a lot of problems with cryptocurrencies. Okay.
1: Now, I'm sure none of our listeners or clients have had a problem with that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you did own some crypto and you've got a loss... And maybe you haven't realized it and you want to realize it. Okay, can you know, do you need to be worried about this 60 day wash sale rule? Um, And this is what this came up a couple of years ago. And because there was a big problem, and remember, I was talking about on the radio show that. A lot of there were a lot of day traders in cryptocurrency, basically, right? And they had a lot of short-term gains, and they had a lot of short-term losses. But there was a threat saying, "Well, they might not be able to offset those. They they might not be able to use those short-term losses to offset those short-term gains because of the sixty-day wash sale rule." Right. Well, the IRS hasn't. They came out and said, "No, we're not going to take it that way." Because the, cryptocurrency isn't necessarily considered a security. Okay, they are treating it as property. Okay. Meaning that you know if you sell your house, there's capital gains. Like okay, property. And um, I,
2: I would think of it more of as a security in my mind.
1: Well, th- this is you know this is this is the issue because proper. Well, I was just... Um, you know, this is what's it's been going on. The Because, um, you know, now it could still be, and then he costs, you know, so, but right now, now the law says, no, you don't have to worry about the wash sale rules with your cryptocurrencies under the current law. The Build Back Better, remember, we were a lot talking right. about that. That had something in it that was going to stop that. And okay. it was, was going to treat crypto as a security. But of course, the Build Back Better didn't get. Done, passed right right and the the ira the income the inflation reduction act bill that did get passed dropped it okay for the time being but that doesn't mean that's still not perhaps on the radar um you know to, to for congress to to try to you know clean that up a little bit and and again don't don't try to get your answer from chuck reddick you know he's out carry right you heard that you know, the irs no. commissioner's gone okay um and and he hasn't been replaced yet Um, So it's just you know one of the you know the the, I think it's the deputy commissioner Douglas O'Donnell is acting as chief of the right now. Um, But anyways, so so those are some things that you know that that you're you're looking at. You know you got to be aware of the wash sale rules if you're trying to harvest those losses. Crypto apparently you know doesn't affect you know you don't have to worry about the wash sale rules under the current law. Um, But you also you don't want to get too cute. With your uh, deducting losses, Carrie?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as one Ohio resident found out, Carrie, okay. right? So this is a, a tax court memo, uh, 2022-19 for those tax court groupies. Um, and Robert Powell and his wife, um, they, they got a little fan mail from the IRS because they reported $124,000 capital loss deduction on their return. And the IRS reduced it to $3,000. Okay. And because of the rules we just talked about, right? And they said, well, no, because actually their defense in tax court was that they argued that Schedule D says to enter the smaller of $124,000 loss and the $3,000 loss limit. So their argument was, well, $124,000 is actually smaller. Because it's a negative than three thousand,
2: I don't think that's what they meant. I think they misinterpreted. You think? Yeah.
1: You th- uh, what lawyer told them to go into tax court with that defense? <laughs> I don't know, Um because you know it was obviously did not work. Now everybody get out their Schedule Ds and follow along with it, because I'm looking at Schedule D right now, and clearly it says if line sixteen, you know, a loss or three thousand dollars, you know, but then there's a note at the bottom of that, right? And it says, "Note when figuring the amount is when figuring which amount is smaller, treat both amounts as positive numbers."
2: Okay, there you go.
1: Stay away from the people that t- tell you there's frivolous. T- you're not going to win in tax court. Right. Here I hear the music. That's All
2: awesome. right, take advantage of a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. com. And everyone have a very happy Thanksgiving too.